Today on Voices, comedic timing, balancing life. Contributing today is Christopher Corrado. He's the host of several comedy showcases and balances his life by being an insurance representative and an avid boxer. So we're going to have a great conversation today. Let's go. Today on Voices, uh, we're going to be focusing on comedic timing, the balancing of life. And joining me today is Chris Corrado. Uh, I've known Chris for a, a couple of years now, and this guy is perfect for what the topic is. Chris, thank you for being here. No one can give a better introduction for themselves than themselves. So, Chris, uh, if you would, uh, let the people know uh, who you are. Oh, okay. How you doing, Lou? Once again, thanks for asking me to come on. You know, we've we've definitely known each other a little while, and we met a few years back, like you said, in the fitness industry when used to set up a table and, you know, we had good public relations and that's continued. So, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of different things. You know, you would ask me to come on, talk about comedy. And then I'm also done some amateur boxing and then also in the uh, insurance business as far as life and long-term care. So that's what I do. It's great specifically because of the things that you do, you do boxing, you do uh, insurance, so you're in the sales world. So you do some corporate America, some physical things, and you also do the lighter side. So you actually have the three sort of levels of life covered where you have the fitness, the social, and, and, the, and the serious. And I think that's what where I wanted to have you on to talk about you specifically being a comedian. So in this moment, you, you host a comedy showcase. Is that right? I have a few of them. The first thing I want you to do is sort of tell me which comedic showcases you, you, you host and where they are, and then we'll talk about what got you into comedy. So the main room I have that I've had for the longest is a place called Original Empire, which is a pizza place in Rock Hill, South Carolina, just over the border from the, the Charlotte area, and we just celebrated four years of comedy back in June. So that, that's a monthly showcase. We do the last Thursday of the month. That show starts at 1030, except during football season, we push it an hour to uh, push it to 1130. That way it doesn't interfere with anyone watching the game. Uh, then I got a show called Grape and Agave. Uh, that is in uh, Ballantyne, Ballantyne, North Carolina. And that one I've, I took over from another guy. So it's been around a couple of years and I've been doing it close to a year and a half. And that's always the first Thursday of the month. And that one is uh, starts at 8 o'clock. Then uh, we got one called Dioria's, which is in Fort Mill, South Carolina. That's literally right across the border from Charlotte. That one I just started back in December. We do every, every other month. And we usually do it some, about the middle of the month. We've done Fridays. We've done Saturday shows. That starts around... Uh, nine nine thirty that's been pretty much how that's been working and then then i've had a couple you know good bit of other rooms too and then unfortunately some of these places have closed down or they changed ownership so but i'm work i'm working on a new room that starts next month that's at a place called timeout in rock hill south carolina that's awesome. And it just shows sort of the entrepreneurial uh, gene in you, but it also shows your ability to sort of connect to people on, on a very organic level. So uh, with that, how, how did you get into comedy? Like, how did you know that's what you wanted to do? I, uh, I always like telling jokes, you know, like those jokes you hear that you share at parties and whatnot. And, but 
I've always wanted to do like my own original stuff, you know, stuff that I made up and, you know, in hopes that it would be as good as the, the stuff you hear. And uh, I just never really did it. And then I was with someone for, you know, six and a half years and the relationship ended. So I was like, wow, I got a lot of free time on my hands. I might as well just go start doing what I want to do. And that was back in March of 2010 and just never stopped since then. And it's brilliant because I remember watching, uh, I think it's either Eddie Murphy Raw or Delirious. I think it's Raw where he was doing jokes in front of his family. He did a fart joke. And then that, that was sort of the intro into, you know, him actually doing his stand-up. And so for you, do you remember your first time stepping on a stage to, to perform as a comedian? Was that like? Absolutely. I remember it was at an open mic at a place called SK Net Cafe in Charlotte. It's not there anymore. But I met uh, the host and this guy, you know, a guy named Ryan, he was the first host I ever met. And he's the one who got me into hosting, you know, and I'll never forget. There weren't that many people in there. And, you know, he said, Chris Carrado. I was like, I was excited. He said my name right. This Carrado, sometimes people look at it and they just don't know how to say it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, he introduced me to the stage and then a bunch of people came in and I don't even really... I don't know if I even remember most of my first. A lot of it kind of just blacked out. It was something about it that was addictive that made you want to continue? Yeah, because I did get some laughs. So I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. I got to keep this going. I think it's interesting. You probably can speak to it really specifically because obviously you've done a stand-up where you're actually just doing a set. And then you've done hosting, which means you come up in different intervals, if, if I'm sort of uh, describing that correctly. So what's, what's the, the, the difference between doing uh, a stand-up set and hosting? Well, usually with, with hosting, you still should definitely tell some jokes. But if you're not, when you're hosting, you shouldn't take up too much time, you know, because it's, it's about, you know, getting the other comedians and getting them their time. So I try not to go past... 10 minutes. I mean, sometimes I might only do like five minutes because I've just been going to this place and doing comedy so much. Let's just get the next guys on stage. And depending on the comedian, you know, they could range anywhere from, you know, themselves having a, a seven minute set all the way to 45 minutes, just depending on their tenure and um, material. You know, you got to be, you got to be careful because you want to put somebody up there for 15 minutes if they can't do 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. And it, that actually leads me to the next question. Because you're a host, do you help find the comedians and choose the comedians that are coming up there? Because you have heavy responsibility of sort of managing the time of the show. Yeah, a lot of these guys I've met throughout the years at open mics. But now it's at a point where I've become so well known. I have people reaching out to me for time. Like I, some guy in Los Angeles found me. And I was wow. Like, oh, yeah, he just reached out to me on Facebook, said he was going to be in the area. I was like, well, and I booked him twice. You know, he's been in the area twice and I put him on two different shows. So he always has a home when he comes this way. That sounds like that's uh, just sort of a, a great way to build relationships in general. So from that, I've seen you you do sets and there's different types of who sort of uh, are the performers with uh, props. And then there are ones who are just storytellers. You as a comedian, what is your style? To be specific. I like to do a lot of one-liners. I don't really tell too many stories. I like to just keep hitting them. You know what I mean? And just a lot of my comedy, if you wanted to know as far as content, you know, a lot of it's just making fun of me and then, you know, my previous relationships. 
what would you describe your comedic profile as? Like, I mean, there's like I would compare like Jerry Spring. I was watching uh, comedians and cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, and Jerry Seinfeld had a show with Eddie Murphy, and they're very, very different comedians. And Eddie Murphy absolutely loved Jerry Seinfeld, and vice versa. But their comedic styles are totally different. And then they asked, like, "Hey, well, how? What did you think of Richard Pryor?" And so for you, what would you say is your um, comedic profile? Wow, that's tough, man. I, I, I honestly don't feel like I could even compare myself to any of those guys. Uh, well, no, but I mean, like, profile-wise, as far as, like, you know, how you sort of, uh, like, I think Jerry is sort of a, a guy, you look at Jerry and you're like, hey, man, I'd have a conversation with him. He'd say funny stuff. Whereas Eddie Murphy is sort of that outlandish, extroverted personality. And so they seem a little different. I would definitely say I'm, I'm more extroverted. Okay, cool. And so with that, like you have a very diverse background as far as life goes, because you were a boxer or I think you still do boxing as well as you work in insurance sales. So you actually have a very, really serious side to life. How do you infuse those things into your comedy? And then second part to that question, after you tell me how you infuse them, tell me about those areas and how they influence your comedy. If, if you want to do the second part first, that's fine as well. I, I try not to talk about my work and my comedy, really not. So I really don't make any jokes about my work and my stand-up. Um, boxing, I can't really say I make too, too many jokes about that. They're all kind of like separate, you know? So for your mind, how do you do the mentality for these things? So say, for instance, you wake up in the morning and you are... Uh, Chris Carrado insurance uh, representative. Get the suit on and go talk to people and just let them know why, you know, the plan we have is, is important and how it could work for them. You know, and I, I mean, I don't, and I make a little, you know, a little joke here and there, but still, you know, try to stay professional just to lighten things up. You got to think insurance and conversations like that aren't exactly exciting, attractive topics. So you got to try to find a way to connect with people and a few jokes and, you know, smiles and whatnot helps. You got to do that. Yeah, well, and I feel like, you know, just sort of having a side that seems more human and relatable probably helps you in insurance. So, like, the comedy probably helps you maybe close. Especially when you meet people brand new, you know, like they say cold calling and whatnot. You got to be, you got to find a way to, you know, convince people that, you know, you don't know that well that they should do some stuff with you, do some business with you that comedic balance you have of had, talking to a room of, of people that you probably have never met before probably makes you a five-star uh, insurance. That definitely right? helps, yes. But just to look at the, the career and in, in insurance, like when you have a, a tough room in comedy, there's a, a go-to or a manner that you uh, take yourself to to handle that. And in insurance, anything like that come about when you deal with maybe a tough client and you think, hey, man, well, I have a, a sort of a cold room. How do I handle this does that help you sure you just got to find a way to get somebody you know to relate to you or you know like you and trust you that's that's just a big part it's about developing a relationship with the people you're doing business with or joking with you know why should you know why should they why should they like you again that just shows how you you're able to balance so and and, in insurance well like what types of things do you sell because you said they're they're serious so i want to make sure i understand what they are on the insurance side, it's, it's life and long-term care. So those are pretty heavy things where, you know, people have to sort of think long-term and have their ducks in a row. Absolutely. And man, I think that's good because a lot of people uh, may not think about those things. And to have someone who's personable probably makes it easier to have that conversation. 
So with fitness, you're a boxer and you finish working and you've done your insurance and you, you, you made the sales and you made the contacts you needed to make. So you leave and you want to go get a workout and you go box. So what, what happens to your mind? How does the mentality change? For you? Uh, I still keep my workouts. I still stay pretty serious in my workouts, too, you know, just so I'm still kind of like in that serious mode that it's, it's still time to work just in a different kind of way. And so for, for you, is it about personal internal competition or is it about the competition uh you're facing when you're in that uh, both arena? yeah it's both it's definitely you know me wanting to be uh a better athlete and at the same time wanting to say hey you know i want to go in there and fight with somebody and see what we could do your day jobs and social things sound like they're great foundations for you to be a comedian because you're, you're understanding sometimes comedy is serious right and then sometimes you have to like get in there and be competitive and with yourself. And I, I think that allow, allows you to have a, a pretty solid foundation for all three things to be successful. Absolutely. And I think this is an amazing thing because of just the, the way you've been able to sort of be a chameleon in, in your different environments. You're originally from New York and you are in the South now. Social wise, they're pretty starkly different. So how have you been able to take the New York state of mind, so to speak, and be successful in the South. Just like with, you know, the, the business side of things, it's just, you know, knowing how to talk to people. I think, you know, there's just certain ways you could say certain things to certain people and other people that's not going to work on. So when, when you can figure out how you could talk to somebody or how they want to be treated, it just it doesn't really matter anymore where you're from. And it's interesting because I'm also from New York and one of the, the opinions that people have is that New Yorkers tend to be more sort of brusque and uh, more straightforward than people in the South are. And so you, f you found a way to find that balance. What was that process like for you? Was it difficult? Yeah, because I, I came down here right after high school and I really didn't wasn't, you know, I didn't really want to move. I, you know, I liked where I lived, but uh, I thought it was a good idea to come try something different and it. It helped that I had family in the area that made a big difference. And then, you know, I went to college down here and, you know, a lot of times people are interested or fascinated by somebody different. So it was kind of in some ways it was kind of easy to make friends. And that actually leads me to sort of the next thing that you do. You see this guy interacting with people like, yo, I would love to have sort of a beer with this person. You use social media very well. And one thing you specifically put out there is a political question of the day. And I find it interesting because your questions are absolutely nonpartisan. And I think that's great. And even your responses when people say things are nonpartisan. How do you manage those things? Because sometimes those comments are uh, far on one side and far on the other side. And uh, sometimes there's arguments, but you find a way to find a balance that still allow people to have a conversation. Well, you know, like I said, I, I went to school to be a journalist. That's what I studied when I went to Winthrop, which is a uh, college, you know, within pretty much walking distance where I live. And I majored in mass communication with a concentration in journalism. And what they taught us was, is you're supposed to report the facts. So when I write my question, I think I look for a topic. And I, I find it on everything from very right leaning to left leaning. And then I just basically ask the question in a way like, hey, what, what do you think about this? You know, or do you think this is right? Do you think this makes sense? Is this somebody on the on one side just trying to play you, you know, as opposed to me saying, oh, this is what I think, because I think I don't, I'm not trying to alienate anybody. If anybody I, I want, if anything, I want to bring people in. 
So that's how I try to form the questions in a way just to get you to think about it. And then you could tell me your opinion. So then, you know, when it comes to me responding to people, if they ask me a question, I try to just think about, okay, you know, what, what's the right way that makes sense to say this to where even if I take a side, I'm not going to sit there and degrade somebody because we have a difference of opinion. I, I don't think that's right. I notice sometimes in, in comedy, more so now, a lot of pe- comedians like to sort of delve into politics. And one person that came to mind when I, when I see what you do with your political question of the day, and then I've seen sort of some of the videos you've posted on, on social media, the showcases you do, it reminds me a little bit of George Carlin, even though George Carlin leaned more one way than the other, but he was unafraid to sort of go at people directly about uh, politics. And so what's your feeling about infusing comedy and oh, I think it's totally, I think it's totally fine. There's, there's ways you can go about doing that to where, you know, you're not going to necessarily offend anybody and you could get, get, get everybody to laugh. And the thing about it is, is I think comedians make people think. And I think uh, uh, when you do things like that, I feel like sometimes, Hey man, when I answer, I'm like, I might be giving him some material. I hope he kills with it. Do you use any of the material that you get, not like maybe direct quotes, but sort of the the the, the energy of the answers in your uh, performance? Uh, very little. I can't say I really do much of that, no. And that's fair enough, because the thing about it is that sometimes some of the comments are a, a, a little hard both ways. What, what would you say is the most challenging uh, part uh, of putting those questions up there? Because there's some people who don't have an appetite uh, to even ask the question, but you do it regularly. So what would you say was some of the challenges you uh, have come into? Uh, a lot of that? the challenges I've come into, or uh, someone will say I'm, um, my question is leaning a certain way when I'm trying very hard not to do that. And then I remember when Obama was president, you know, I could ask a question and then people who didn't like him would make every question about Obama and like, what well, this has nothing to do with him. This is a totally different question. And now that happens now, you know, with Trump, if I ask a question, they want to decide to insert him into it. I'm like, well, this actually, it was a question that had nothing to do with him what, whatsoever, but you know, a lot of people just want to bring it up. Do you see any of those challenges when you, uh, for the comedians, maybe you introduce or even you when you're performing, do you see those challenges happen as a comedian when some maybe the, uh, the comedian puts something out there and then it may be received wrong and if they do receive that challenge how how do they overcome it or how have you overcome those challenges to still have a successful uh interaction well, sometimes you, you know you're not really going to overcome it so it's best to just move on you know um a lot of times and not just with with any type of joke you know what'll help i've noticed with myself and other people is if people don't laugh, you might say, oh, I, you know, that was a lot. I thought that was going to go over a lot better. Or, man, that joke was funnier last night. And then you might get people to laugh. And that might be the best way to overcome it. If not, just move on. It fell flat. It didn't work. Just keep moving. That's fair, man. And I think it takes a, a, a great deal of bravery to do what you do, to step out there and to uh, sort of host the show. So what, 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 what is your experience if you've had a show and you had a, a killer, killer performance and they, the people want the person to maybe come back and do an encore? I don't even know if that people do encores anymore. How do you normally handle something like that? Um, well, we definitely don't do encores, but I've, I, if I felt like a comedian was a good fit the first time and then I felt like they really crushed it, I'll bring them back another time. Um, possibly sooner than later. 
And for a comedian that maybe had a rough time, how do you kind of work with them? Do you console them? Do you give them some coaching tips? What do you yeah, do absolutely. Uh, you know, I might tell them, hey, you know, I think you might want to work on a couple of things. These are some ideas that I have for you if you want to try them out. I, I think it'd be best to go back to some open mics and maybe the next time we put you on a showcase, maybe we should cut your minutes back a little bit because I think sometimes when you give people too much time, it, it doesn't, it, it, if anything, it makes it worse. Sometimes it's better to give them seven minutes as opposed to say 10. Cause you know, when you have too much time, you could start putting your foot in your mouth. I can believe that. And you know, the interesting thing, and you probably can uh, attest to this, people don't realize how long five minutes is when you're just the only one talking. Like it's like an, especially if it's not going well, (laughs) that's absolutely true. And, and, and the thing that I think about is, is like, how do you even get started like that? Like, how do you figure out a show? So like for you, you've done shows and well, and obviously you host them. How do you actually like create a set of, make dialogue or jokes because people don't normally respond to you so it's you talking and then uh sort of waiting for a response i, I i'm guessing and then you continue on from sort of the response yeah of that, I, right? I, I you know i try to go in with a game plan but you also got to make sure that if it's not going well you got backup plans it's amazing because the thing about that is is that i look at some of these legends and you never see them bomb and i'm like man but you hear them talk about how they've bombed all the time so, so with that, like, what would you say were some of your comedic influences before you w- went into the arena and what your comedic influences are now? You know, this is, this is from a movie, but it, it was still, a, you know, a comedy scene. Have you ever seen the movie Goodfellas? Do you remember the part yes. with Joe Pesci? Like, am I a clown? Am I here to amuse you? That scene. Yeah, I love Joe that, Pesci. That, that yes. was actually a very big influence of mine because I liked the idea where he just, just sat there and just lit up. People just stopped and paid attention to him and just thought his story was so funny because even though it was something that really happened, you know, in the movie, it, he, the way he told it, you know, it was, it was like you know, like Ray Liotta was trying to tell him that it was funny. The way he tells the story is funny. It, it, it makes it comical. And I've always wanted to be that guy that goes in the room and lights it up like that. So I'd have to say that was definitely a big influence. And then you met. And, and you know what no, I was going to say, Eddie, oh, Eddie Murphy, Raw, definitely. Um, George Carlin and uh, Andrew Dice Clay, too, even though these guys got pretty nasty sometimes. And I've tried to tone my comedy down to be more PG, but in the beginning, I definitely wanted to be raw and dirty like them. So how do you find a balance between that? Because the thing about it is, is that since social media is out there and social media is basically unrated, X-rated, whatever rated you want to put it at. So people are exposed all the time. And so how do you find that balance between, you know, sort of being real and sort of still being uh, palatable? Sometimes it's just changing words up, you know, like a word that might be offensive. There's, there's gotta be a word for it, for what you're trying to say without saying something offensive or not, or not cursing as much. Sometimes cursing too much ends up hurting you more than it helps you. I've seen that. I've seen people do that themselves. Just, getting a getting a curse storm to the point where it wasn't even like it wasn't even funny anymore it kind of makes people sound like you know they're angry and and so with that i've watched several um comedy shows like when i used to drive uh long distances for insurance which you probably can relate to i would get on um uh uh pandora something like that and i would just listen to comedy and this is how i found out about 
comedians, which I mean, whether they're funny or not is sort of irrelevant, but like Gabrielle Iglesias and uh, Ralphie May. And a lot of these guys I'd never heard of, but then I would go see them. And so uh, with that, um, I, I think about the standups I've seen. What would you say is the best stand-up show you've seen, either like in person or just in, in your life that you would say this is the pinnacle of a stand-up? It, it's somebody who is not famous right now, but I think she will be. Um, her name is Jen Snyder out of Columbia, South Carolina. She's somebody that I've seen shut crowds down. I've seen comics go up and tell like three, four of them in a row and just some fall flat, some barely make it, but she comes on and just totally takes over and people are into her and she, she's amazing. If she, she's going to make it, she has to. And I've seen that you, you I think she's done some shows um, uh, for you, right? Or she, you've hosted some shows. Oh, with I, her, I've booked her so mistaken, many right? times now. I forgot how many times. Well, I, I'm hoping for success for her as well. And it actually leads me to a segue about a generalized opinion, maybe yours, maybe what you've heard uh, about women in comedy. Because the funny thing about women is it, women in comedy sort of, I feel like sometimes have a different or are held to a different standard than men. And they have to be a certain way as opposed to men. It, it, what's your opinion about women in comedy? Because I can think of plenty of funny women in comedy, but I, I, as a host, what is your perception of the crowd and maybe at, at, from comics in general? Well, I mean, if, if, if there's a show and there's like, you know, five people on it and there's one girl, I think a lot of times people, you know, because they see some a woman up there, they might sometimes pay more attention because like, oh, okay. You know, I'm not, I, I saw a bunch of dudes, now I'm seeing a woman up there. So they, they might turn around and be like, will be more interested in it because she's the only woman. And I think, I think sometimes women that I've noticed they could, if they want to be dirty, a lot of times people tend to enjoy that more than when guys are dirty. Yeah. Really? I mean, sometimes when you hear a woman go say some pretty, some pretty uh, vile stuff, people, you know, it's, it's just different when you hear it from a, from a woman. Apparently that's how I've seen the crowds take it. It's interesting because obviously there's a standard. I think it's uh, maybe the shock value. I, that's what I think immediately is like sort of the Absolutely. shock value of a woman sort of being dirty. So with, with that, I mean, uh, just sort of you talking about the process, how have you refined sort of yourself as a host and as a performer, as a specific, just you doing stand-up and the process of comedy? Like what, what are some of the things you've done to refine yourself to become better? So, yeah, I think since most of the shows I do now are – when I'm hosting, you know, the shows that I produce and host. So if I've, like I said, if I've been there enough times, I'm more or less just try to get the crowd wound up with more like, hellos, how you doing? Hey, where are you from? Is this the first time you had a show? Just more interactive. Let, let's, let's have a conversation as opposed to just going and telling jokes, you know, just trying to get people into it. And then just joking back and forth with them, more, more crowd work more getting people engaged the way they're looking and they're, they're into it. That way when the comedians start coming up there, then they could just, just take over. That says a lot about who you are as far as dealing with, Hey, you're, uh, you, you sell insurance to people. So you have to know how to sort of create, do introductions and do segues into talking about serious things. And you have to be kind of the straight man. So with that, what would you say are the highs of, of being a comedian for you at, at least? Or maybe just, I, you know, sometimes I get just as much enjoyment out of seeing one of the people I book have a good set where people just keep laughing. So 
I guess the highs would be, you know, when you've, when you've put this really good lineup together and everyone does well, you know, that's, that's definitely the most important to me when everybody can come on and have a good set, you know, when you put together such a diverse lineup of people and people are just like, you know, they don't, they don't know what to expect because you had one guy who was like this and then this other guy comes up and he's totally different and everyone's doing well. That's, that's the high. It sounds like you're just sort of the sort of the community organizer, so to speak, as you're making sure everybody has the best time, which says that you you being a host is probably right up the alley where you're supposed to be. And so with you hosting, not saying that you're not doing stand up anymore, what what would you say is the lifespan of the average comedian sort of you run into or that you know of? Because I, I feel like comedy is something where you probably could do that for a yeah, while. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like um so when you say average, you mean like as far as the age goes or how much time they've been doing comedy for? Like how long they've done it. I mean, I guess age could matter too. I mean, I never thought about it in that way where it, like how how old is someone when they normally start? But I was talking about like sort of the length of a, a career, so to speak. Uh, the, a lot of the people I work with are people that, you know, some of six months to, you know, some people I've worked with have been doing it 25 years. And then, uh, wow. you know, if we did what, what to talk about age, I've done comedy with people that aren't even 21 yet, you know, all the way on into their 50s. Because that means that you've come across like a spectrum of comedic oh, topics yeah. that just sort of as as a host, it's probably like you, you just you, you, there might be sort of levels of, of excitement that they might not even have. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, um, I, I, I think about this and I, I, I think it's important to understand or what would you tell an, an, an aspiring comedian or, or, or performer to, if they wanted to do it? Uh, my, a lot of my advice usually is that it's going to be just like anything else in life, you know, what you put into it, what you're going to get out of it, you know, very cliche sounding and that, you know, there are going to be times where you're going to not do well and you're going to want to quit. But if this is something you really like, you, sh- you shouldn't give up. You should just keep going. And editing is editing and going to open mics is, so crucial in the beginning because you know you you got to learn you got to learn how to write a joke to where you know you got you, you better get to the point quick you know either have one liners or if you're going to tell a story you better be able to keep hitting them along the way till you get to the the punchline or else it's going to be really bad and then of course you got to go to open mics and you got to practice so talking about open mics i don't know if this happens to people i've actually never seen it happen but hecklers i mean I don't know how significant they are, but dealing with hecklers, how do you advise someone to do deal with that? And like, what do you think normally is the motivation behind something? Why somebody would heckle? Maybe they're envious. They can't do what the other person is doing. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. And so how would they, how how would you tell like a a new comedian to deal with that? Because I'm sure that's scary, man. You know, if, if you feel like you can, you know, say something about them and get other people to laugh, do it. If not, you know, just uh, try to ignore them. Or if you feel like you just can't ignore them, like they're not going to stop, you know, make fun of yourself some more. Be like, yeah, and, and, and kind of, you know, go along with it. Be like, yeah, I, you know, I do suck or whatever. And then something like that. But I've seen that work, you know, when you make just start making fun of yourself because it's kind of like B-Rabbit in 8 Mile, you know. just I'll just start making fun of myself then. Speaking of that, because you, so you talked a little bit about Joe Pesci, too. Uh, comedic 
it, it, would you say there's a difference between comedic acting and sort of doing stand-up? Because I've seen some, some stand-up artists where they perform and they're sort of acting out something when they're doing their stand-up. And then I see people who just tell straight jokes. Is there a significant difference in that? In, well, definitely in, in a movie, opinion? you know, you could, uh, you know, stop and keep starting until you get it right. On stage, there is no stopping. You, you just got to deal with it if it's not going well. I feel like that, that that's a different kind of comedy because I've, I've heard commentary specifically about some people who are funny as in movie funny. And then there's people who are stand up funny. And sometimes those two paths don't cross. So I was curious because you, you obviously get to deal with the stand up people more directly on, on what you, you've seen. Do you know anyone who've done it, who's crossed over and done any sort of comedic acting uh, from stand up? You know what? I honestly, me personally, no, I don't think I know anybody who has. I know a comedian that did a, a commercial once. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a comedy oh, commercial. Really? It was just a commercial. So how do people advertise for, uh, for coming? Because I've seen your advertisement. And because I sort of know who you are, I trust your, your commentary on it. But how do you get a stranger interested in coming to check out comedy? You just tell them what you do. You know, sometimes you just got to say, hey, look, this is what I do. This is when it's going to be. And I, have, I even have some comedy cards I pass out to people. Like, if you're interested, here's my email and, you know, my cell phone number. You know, you're interested in coming, come check it out. Or like my Instagram, like my, you know, follow me on Instagram or, you know, add me on Facebook. That way you can see when shows are coming up. The way you handle yourself sort of in the social media platform creates a trust in when you say things. So with that, um, I, I think it's interesting because we've talked about comedians and some some comedic type things who would you put on the sort of mount rushmore comedy three or four comedians that you're like man these are probably the best people i've ever seen do it uh well we, we talked about him a couple of times already eddie murphy i mean he was just <laughs> his style i mean like uh, you know I, I like the way he dresses i always thought that was a really cool outfit and raw so you know he just had a really good style and so I definitely have to say he, you know, he he's up there, and George Carlin. He was more. Um, I think he's one of the best comedians that ever, you know, got you to think about things more. Like, you know, I'm not going to just tell jokes. I want you to think about this. You know, think about this serious thing that I'm going to be making a joke about. So I have to say, he would definitely be up there. And then, uh, a third person, I don't know. Some some of the newer guys I really like. Like I like. I like, you know, I like Kevin Hart. I like, I like Cat Williams. I think, you know, they're really, really good. I don't know if I'd put them up with, you know, Eddie Murphy or George Collin just yet, but definitely, I definitely enjoy this stuff. There's always a sort of a, another side to comedy where you, you make people laugh. And then when, you know, you're not in front of a crowd, then people sort of wonder, what do you do? And so we alluded to it a little bit, but I mean, what, what does Chris do? for balance in his life? Cause it sounds like I kind of understand on the work side, but what, what do you do for fun, for balance, just to sort of keep your juices going so you can have a balanced life as Chris? Uh, hanging out with family and friends, you know, just sometimes just hanging out and, you know, eating, having some drinks, you know, that's cool. And, and sometimes I just like to be alone and watch a movie by myself and just, you know, take my phone, put it in, in another room and then just veg out in front of the TV. You probably uh, need the downtime because you spend so much time in front of people. Yeah, right? sometimes it's good to just be alone. 
I have two more questions for you, and then we, we, we're going to start wrapping up. Can you describe the energy or sort of fuel that you get from doing each one of the things you do and how they have positively impacted your life? Because we've talked about you being a boxer and uh, an, an insurance man who helps people and a comedian. How have those things helped your life sort of be better? Well, I mean, it definitely helping other people is, you know, one of the best, is one of the most important things because, you know, when you're helping someone with, with financial matters, you know, you, you could see where these things really help people with their retirement or, you know, God forbid, you know, they, they pass on young or whenever they pass on, you know, that, that there's a foundation there that will help their family and just, you know, or if they, you know, needed a skilled care one day and they can't take care of themselves anymore, it's good to know that they have these systems in place to protect protect them in the short term and the long term. I think that's that's important to me is helping people. And then comedy, another way of helping people, just just people going out and having a good time and just getting some laughs, you know, that just, just sit somewhere for a couple of hours and just not worry about anything but just laughing and having a good time. That That to me is probably you know, seeing other people happy and taking care of is, is very important. Boxing might be a little bit different because when I'm fighting somebody, I, I, I want to win. So I don't really want that other person <laughs> to be too happy because then that means I lost the fight. I really would, you know, would like to win. So, uh, you know, so I guess that one, that one I kind of want to do for me. <laughs> Am I close? Well, and I feel like, but I mean, if you think about your life, two thirds of your life is dedicated to helping people have the best life experience. And the, the one third is about you having the best life experience. I think that's a pretty fair uh, fraction uh, and balance to have. OK, yeah, well, that's cool. And so uh, with that, a last question here is you've shown that obviously you have comedic timing because you are a comedian and you've elevated yourself to hosting, because in my opinion, when a person can host a comedy show, that means that the, the person who has uh, selected the host knows comedy and they know they could command the venue with the comedy. So with that, how do people contact you and get to firsthand experience what Chris Well, if is anybody doing? wants, you know, is interested, like I said, I'm on, I'm on social media. You know, it's actually Christopher and then my last name, Carrado, which is C-O-R-R-A-D-O. You know, you can find me on... I have a Twitter. I don't really use it very much, though, but I'm more on Instagram and Facebook. You could find me there. Or if you just wanted to give me a call, man, that, that's fine, too. My, my cell phone number is 803-984-5128. Or if you wanted to email me, you know, it's, it's my last name, which is Corrado, C-O-R-R-A-D-O-81 at gmail.com. Because the podcast is called Voices, I do this so people can hear the voices of the people that I've interacted with. So I like to have the last voice, the last words of significance to come from, from the guest. So with that, is there anything that you want to leave the people with either a, a quote or something you just have on, on your heart or your chest that you want to get out or just anything that you want the, the people to, to, to remember about Chris? Uh, for myself and for everyone listening, just, just go out there and be the best person you can. You know, do what makes you happy, you know, be good to other people. You know, we live, I think we live in a great country where, you know, we got, we got to look out for each other and just sometimes just holding a door open for somebody or saying hello to somebody can make a big difference. You know, everyone has a, a shot every day to be nice to other people. And I think that's really what, what we need.
That's brilliant, man. I, I've enjoyed the conversation immensely, and I, I've learned quite a bit from you. So I look forward to future conversations, and I'll definitely be on your next uh, political question of the day. So, Chris, I want to thank you for, uh, for, for joining me, and uh, until yeah, next Lou, time. Yeah, Lou, I'm flattered right? you, you, you asked me to you know, do this, so thank you. <laughs>